Hey, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City. Big shout out to DJ City. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never here. Yo, what's up? I got DJ D Miles. What's good, what's good? And I got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And uh, we got two special guests from DC, uh, some of DC's finest. One of my favorite DJs ever, Jerome Baker III. And we got... Peace, uh, peace. What's up, man? And we got the Red Bull Three Style U.S. Champion Trays. What's good, fellas? What's good? Hey, 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 hey! What up? What's up? Thank y'all? you guys. Nah, thank you for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I, man. I, I know how uh, dad life is. You guys got the kids asleep, and uh, and we're uh, we're uh, oh, over here on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at Trays. He's yawning. Trays, you got three kids, huh? Yeah, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's a lot of work. And and uh, uh, it's you got challenging. Them, you got yeah. them during the day, huh? Yeah, so with COVID, schools are all closed. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like the first week in March, um, uh, I've had them like full time. And then you're in Pennsylvania right now? You're in PA? Yeah. I'm in Uncle Phil's house, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, uh, yeah, we just relocated to uh, Hanover, PA in January mm-hmm. for my wife's job. Um, so I'm about an hour and a half from D.C. Okay. But you- so not too far. You just moved there this year, though, but you were pretty yeah. much like uh, you were driving to D.C. What were you doing? Going back and forth for gigs? Yeah. It's, for the last year or so, I was DJing in the city still like two nights a month, mm. more or less. Okay. Uh, and the other the other three weekends were like out of town normally or just chilling at home. We're, I've been trying to transition to doing more studio production, making music. Wow. Um, Jerome, you're like a, you're like full fledged into production right now too, man. You've been you've been doing a lot of that shit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just feel like you know we have time. Let's let's make the best of it. Yeah, you yeah. know. So mm-hmm. uh, production was something that we and I say we is me and a bunch of different people uh, have been working on probably since the end of last year, end of nineteen. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we just have been going full fledged with it. Uh, you know, like like Trey said throughout this whole quarantine and and uh, DC still completely for the most part shut down so we're here and we're going to be focused on this for the foreseeable future right what's the Mm -hmm. climate right now in dc i mean uh it's everything you see everything you see on tv i mean there's a protest every day right uh at at the white house so i live uh approximately two miles directly from the white house like if i make a right out of my building yeah walk straight straight down the street my street ends at the white house wow so um every day there's a protest every friday at 5 45 people line the streets with signs and honk their cars in support Mm -hmm. um i mean it takes takes me 30 minutes to walk to the White House. So you see signs of support. You see uh, you see everything. Uh, okay. The city is not open yet, though. You know what I mean? They're still right. in, quote, unquote, phase one. And so restaurants, you can eat outside, but restaurants supposed to be six feet apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen people making, like, hookah lounges work. So that's pretty much the, the <laughs> most yeah. social that people have had is these hookah lounges. And, do, and, do uh, and people still, still share the hookah, though? <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not. Oh no, man! I'm not there, G. I'm not there. But there's it's also your, a your own tip. Exactly. But the uh, the protests are also serving as like social social gathering. I mean, they're social, obviously, but it's right. like, yo, I haven't seen you in a while. Let's go to the protest. You right. know what I'm saying? And uh, that's wow. I saw the whole staff from Commonwealth at the protest a couple of Saturdays right. ago. I hadn't mm-hmm. seen some of those guys in three months. Wow. You know, shout and, uh, Commonwealth. Yeah, shout out to Commonwealth. And, and, you know, so it's it's just 
DC DC is watching the rest of the country and wants to reopen, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like they know better because Virginia's open. Virginia's there. Virginia's just such a big state that there's different phases depending on the city that you're in. Yeah, and different parts of Maryland are operating under different phases as well. But DC is completely in like phase one. Like not a lot of personal interaction going on. Masks are still uh, required in uh, grocery stores and a lot of places. Six feet apart, limited capacity, the whole nine. You're from Phoenix, Arizona. How does it feel looking at like kind of the Southwest and the West Coast and your hometown and you're seeing the numbers, these COVID numbers go crazy. They're going like, uh, I think they're double of what New York was and they're like one eighth of the population of New York. Yeah. And New York, I, New York numbers are actually down right now. They're, it's kind of it's steady. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, yeah. well, they're the lowest out of almost uh, all of the U.S. right now, which is kind yeah. of crazy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Arizona locked in uh forty four hundred new cases in the last three days. That's crazy. Solid. That's crazy. I'm just I'm completely it, it depresses me, man. It hurts my heart. because uh, I, I know how it affects me. And I know I won't go see my mom, like see my brother. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like my niece doesn't I mean my daughter doesn't get to see her grandmother. Uh I talk to my brother every day. I mean, you know, and, and Kel is just he he's he's into nightlife out there, but he's pulled back tremendously. He doesn't go out at all anymore. Oh, he's not going and, out uh, at all. But they're open. Nah. They're like they're Scottsdale. That whole uh, that whole like club and bar area is fully open, right? Fully fully open. And yeah, I just fully, talked to uh, I just talked to Cutswell. He's he's DJing. Really, Cuts, Cutswell's Shit. rocking Jr. Yeah. You know, but oh, yeah. uh, unfortunately, yeah. I mean the 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 governor just didn't make. It was poor leadership, right. and as a result of that, you're seeing these cases go crazy, and mm-hmm. the the lack of leadership is trickling down in everything from the school systems to the restaurant and club scene. It's just it's really uh it's really depressing to see what's going on out there. I feel like the West Coast and the Southwest had like a pretty mild, you know, they got hit pretty uh, like mildly with the COVID-19. And so when they reopened, I feel like they were rushing to reopen. But, you know, they didn't take the the necessary precautions. And even here in Vegas, no one's wearing fucking masks. I mean, people look at people look at me like I'm crazy for wearing a mask like the goddamn right. Yeah, it's it's almost like some shit, you know, and and it's weird because in New York, if you walk around without a mask, like motherfuckers are going to yell at you and curse you out like why the fuck yeah. aren't you wearing a mask yeah you i mean dc people will walk across the street from you if, you, if they're not wearing a mask like I, I go on a walk with my daughter every day we're wearing masks so yeah. people will cross the street and kind of get out of our way and it's like you should like yeah she's more important than you are you know what i'm saying so right, right, right. across the street but um in terms of arizona i think what happened too is you're absolutely right like there was a low reported case to start Mm-hmm. So they kind of rushed to reopen. And when they rushed to reopen, they attracted just a lot of people. Floyd Mayweather was coming out of right. there. And a bunch of people from California were going down there for right. like Memorial Day. And, and yeah. uh, I saw like 40 ounce van was there this weekend. And like, so you got all these people <laughs> that are just like Arizona, 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 and all their minions and their following are going to flock there. <laughs> yeah. And the next thing you know, you've just got these numbers that are like out of control. And, you know, now they're paying the price of it with, yeah. the, with the infections going crazy. Isn't I think that- during uh, Memorial weekend, I think every major promoter, club person i knew was in arizona partying right and i was just like yo this is bad yeah crazy there's a there's a lot of correlations too to the reopenings and if you have a republican governor Mm. yeah break that down explain explain yeah Yeah, so like if you want to use arizona as an example you know they have a governor who's a, a republican 
And, you know, a lot of these guys are more inclined to answer to the corporate interests and, you mm-hmm. know, businesses want to be back open and, um, and they're, they're going to fall in line with that as opposed to listening to like science and public health officials that are saying no too fast, you know, and they all, are, they're mean, also getting, Oregon, they're going to shut down. They're going to re shut down next week just because they had another spike after yeah. being open for like two days. It was funny. I was talking to a stripper that strips out here in Vegas and she re okay. Sorry guys. She relocated to Arizona just because the strip clubs in Arizona are open and right. she's making a shit ton of dough over there. Gotta go so, where there's work. Yep. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, they just, uh, they just did a bad job, man. Uh, they're they're going to shut, they're going to shut down soon too, though. Like I talked to Kel today. Yeah. And he was saying that it's just, it's almost like they're just waiting to get the word about when they're going to shut down again, because I mean, we've all seen these numbers increase crazy. It's more dangerous when you have when it's transient, right? When you have just people coming in for two, three days and leaving, like literally, yeah. like either mm-hmm. contracting COVID or you Even know, getting on a plane is risky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to be cooped up in a in a metal box, breathing everyone else's air for three hours, four mm-hmm. hours? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, we know a couple of DJs that are actually taking out of town gigs already. Like they're ready to I, go on yeah. the road. I had a homie that flew out to Utah. And he stood. He stayed over there for like five days or whatever, just because he wanted to play it safe. I'm like, dog, play it safe. You should have just stayed at home. Like, there you go. The extra shit. Yeah. There you go. Are you guys gonna? Uh, you, you guys aren't looking to. Uh, what do you call it? You're not gonna rush to go into work, right? Even if if everything opens in July or August, you guys, what's no. gonna happen? I, I'm chilling. I'm definitely not. But I also have a spouse who supports the family, right? And I'm on unemployment mm-hmm. right now, so right. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, but I, you know, it's sad because a lot of my homies that are full time DJs, they they don't have that financial footing to stand on. Mm-hmm. You know, that they might be like check to check. And they're hurting really bad right now. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not mad. Everybody has to make their own decisions and it sucks that you have to kind of like play with your health like that. Yeah. I, uh, I just took my first gig since March this past Friday. Honestly, I went the week prior to that same location and they were playing the social distancing card really, really tough. And when I was DJing, that shit went out the window and there was a full dance floor and I was paranoid as hell. Wow. I, was, I was spraying the alcohol, this little bottle, every five minutes, my hands and all surroundings because I was just that fucking paranoid. <laughs> it's scary, man. Well, this weekend, it seemed like the floodgates really opened in Las Vegas. I'll be honest. Like yeah. I had friends in town that were just randomly calling me like, hey, I'm in Vegas. I got a hotel room. And I'm like, what? What are you doing here? Like, what? What are you doing? They're like, oh, the rooms are cheap. The flights are cheap. We just decided to come out and have fun. Like, what's open? And I'm like, yo, there's no clubs open. There's no pools. Mm -hmm. You might be lucky to just hang out at a hotel lounge bar and maybe get a drink with your friends. But they're like trying to meet up with me. And I'm just like, yo, this is crazy. Like, they really feel like it's just it's just open now and it's all good. How how are you guys feeling about DJs going back to work? I remember, Trey's. you had a couple of tweets probably early, earlier in the year kind of saying it was like irresponsible for certain DJs uh, when COVID was kind of really kind of spreading in the US you were saying that it's kind of irresponsible for DJs to take work yeah probably like early March right around there yeah because some states were shut down and others weren't yeah mm-hmm. and the states that were not shut down mm-hmm. um, were having like big spikes in cases yeah and just from that alone like protect yourself 
protect your health, protect others. Like I'm, I'm never going to be like, I'm never going to be mad if you need to go to work. Like this is our, this is our livelihood too. So, Mm -hmm. but, um, I'd have to go back and like read the tweets to make sure I wasn't like tripping. (laughs) I definitely spoke on that topic. Right. Um, I think you and I bumped heads a little bit in the beginning, just because I initially don't blame the DJs for for taking work and i think we're all in agreement. i actually blame you know i i blame the venues and then i blame the city and i i blame the state and then you know and everyone outside of that yeah. you know because djs are the little guys if they're not going to hire you they're going to hire somebody else you know yeah. what i'm saying so and it's also one of those things i was talking to a couple homies as well it's like if if that nightclub asks you to dj and you're not going to dj for them at you know um i don't know like at a lower rate during a tough time that they're having right now like yeah they're going to be like yo this is rough times you're not going to look out for us and dj during you know the reopening you know i don't know if we i don't know if we're going to be loyal to you later on when everything kind of is back to normal you know what i'm saying that's fucked up but at the same time obviously it all depends on your relationship and we all know that this whole business is about building those relationships. Right. Yeah. That relationship is solid and you're good. And you can even back that up with a contract. You can be like, Hey, you know, I'm, everyone's hurting. I need money too. Yeah. Maybe I'll cut my rate for like six months. And then when everything's back to normal, 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 we got to go back to the regular rate. Right. Got it. And you can get it yeah. in writing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I actually, so March, that weekend of March 3rd and 4th, I think it was the first weekend in March. I actually voluntarily stayed home Mm. because everything I was reading was looking really, really bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to get sick, like period. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't need to come. And my, my first Friday and first Saturday of every month were in DC. Normally, like I had two um, regular gigs monthly. And I just, I passed them off to a homie. I was like, hey, do you want these? I don't, I don't feel comfortable going. Mm. Um, and literally the next week they shut it down. Wow. Mm. And I had friends that, that actual weekend that was like, yo, this is the last weekend we're going to be DJing for a long time. Okay, <laughs> we kind of called it. <laughs> Jesus. And I was like, yeah, I, I played that weekend. That was like March 14th, I think. Yeah. And, so, uh, yeah 14th. so both, I, I worked for the same company Friday, Saturday. So they cut the openers Friday, Saturday. They're like, hey, it's going to be slow this weekend. We need you to rock the whole night. All right, cool. It's like 11 to 3. No big deal. And, uh, you know, there's like black party. So, like, nobody's showing up till like, 1.30 anyway. So I'm like, all right, but I get to play what I want to play for, like, two and a half hours. Like, yeah. Yeah. y'all going y'all gonna to get these Catronata jams all day. Like, I don't all even of care. Them. All right? the Every single one. Every single one. And the nights turned out to be fantastic, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it was super cracking. Like, you know, the, the, the sales were through the roof the whole nine. The Sunday uh, pulled up to the club at 11 o'clock again. And this is when I think things were a little bit more mainstream in terms of things need to be shut down. And I remember all of D.C. being like it was like a ghost town. It was absolutely nobody out. Yeah. Uh, it was like my, March 15th around that time, I believe. And, um, you know, it's been like that ever since. And mm-hmm. like I've been taking these walks at night and I see people wanting to take they'll get there to go drinks and they'll stand outside the bar and drink them and stuff like that. But. There's there's no activity out here right now, and it's just something that needs to be accepted and and, and keep it moving because we're not going to be in the clubs in D.C. probably until the end of the year or maybe even next year. I think it's scary because I I keep telling all these DJs to take advantage of unemployment or the the PUA. Like Nevada just got the PUA uh, like two Mm -hmm. weeks ago or so. 
like yeah. a mid yeah, two weeks ago two weeks ago and then cali i know it was like uh probably a month or so ago probably before that some of some of some of these guys that i know got unemployment for like five to ten k and uh, uh I, and yeah, a I, lot of people got that. Yeah, a lot of people they got the bat. They got like like the unemployment from the top of the year. Go yeah, on. they got it yeah. from going like, back yeah. going back to March, like when um COVID hit first hit. Yeah, they had yeah, that second I did. March. I got I got back pay from I claimed I claimed from like March sixth on, and right. I got back yeah. pay. They took seven weeks to kick in though. Really? Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, but I got all the pack. I got all the back pay in one lump sum, and then the weekly kicked in after that. Yeah. Right. right. And then you just have to file every week and, and go on yep. the site. You just I, reminded me. <laughs> you got to go on the file for this tonight. last week. Yeah. Every Sunday. Every, every Sunday. Every Sunday. Every Sunday, 6 o'clock. B, I'm, I'm there. I'm B too, man. <laughs> yeah, As soon as I wake up, I'm on that computer sending out claim. That's the first thing he does. They actually, they, well, no. they actually, they lace me with a, with a, with a, with a debit card. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Nice. Just, yeah, yeah, was DC, up on the debit card. Yeah, DC <laughs> has that too. You, uh, we get we got the debit card in the mail, and then I, it just transfers every uh, like every afternoon, right, to my regular bank account. Damn, mm-hmm. Nevada, Nevada oh, got man. a rush card too. I think we got we got one of those. <laughs> we got, <laughs> the, the rush card, <laughs> the rush card. We went from wanting the black card to getting the rush card. card. <laughs> Everyone should try to file. I mean, what do you call it, Jamie? You haven't filed yet, right? You I filed go. today actually. Okay, I got, good shit. I got a walkthrough by uh by uh, DJ So shout to DJ So he helped me out did yeah. the walkthrough and it was yeah so I filed today and uh, hopefully it kicks in soon yeah and if it doesn't I'll I wait for that 10k I think it's, <laughs> it takes a while for Cali but you're gonna get that shit uh, yeah I, I had so. consulted with uh, a couple of lenders about the PPP loans and stuff like that yeah yeah and one guy from United Bank told me that he ran my numbers from my taxes from last year. And he was like, dude, you're just going to get more money from unemployment. Just do that. Yeah. yeah. And he was right. Yeah. Look at Chase's face. (laughs) I mean, the checks, I mean, look, the checks suck compared to what I'd be making DJing every weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But at least you're getting something. Yeah. I can buy groceries. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Hey, your mortgage, get the, get the diapers. I ain't gonna yeah. front, man. I ain't gonna we front. Got one, one still in diapers. That shit. That, <laughs> I know that shit helped a lot of DJs. I was talking to a bunch of them, and it just relieved a bunch of stress that they were feeling. You know, did anybody yeah, like definitely? Did anybody think about being irresponsible and just buying some other shit that you're not supposed to like buy? Like you're like, oh, look at Jerome, look at Jerome. <laughs> no, no, I can't. I can't. I got a, no, I got a daughter. I can't do I, that irresponsible. I have a, I have a story about that. So, uh, in April. Like mid to late April, okay. when we were like starting to get heavy into streaming, I was having like the same issues everybody was having with trying to stream OBS and run all your shit off the same laptop. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, the laptop I have doesn't have ded- dedicated graphics. So let me look into buying a new one. And my homie, uh, shout out to Stylist Chris, um, he was like, Apple has a business lease. And you can lease a MacBook Pro now, and it's like a hundred dollars a month, and you can get like the crazy maxed out one that is like five thousand dollars. But you just lease it, and then in two years you get a new one. Wow! And I was like, wow. all right, cool. So I called up the Apple business guys, and yeah. it's actually like a personal consultant if you do the business route. And the guy straight up told me he was like, because of the industry you're in, 
we're, we, we have to instantly decline your application. Wow. Oh, really? Because we know you're not working and we know you're not going to be working for a long time. He said, if you're in restaurant, music, arts, film, TV, instant no declined. Wow. Wow. I don't care about your credit rating, money. And I was like, I can give you guys like bank statements and taxes for past years and all my schedule C's. And he was like, doesn't matter. Wow. That's weird. Damn. They lost a lot of money out. <laughs> That's odd. But he told me it's because for the last month, because this was like end of April for that month, so many people were defaulting on their payments. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Why would they keep giving money out? Yeah. Um, I'm not mad. I'm like, okay, I get it. But yeah. that April was like a fuck. I feel like April was a rough month for a lot of people. Like that it was, was yeah. the one. It was that was, it was that was new territory for everyone. I yeah, feel like boy. people were still trying to get uh-huh. the wedding. Every, yeah. you know, that shit was rough. Like a, a lot of motherfuckers hit me up. Like I don't know what to do. They were stressing out. They were like, "I gotta move. I gotta move back Anakin. home." Yeah, everything. It was just crazy and, in April. And people thought things were gonna open up back in April, like in mid April, just <laughs> the end of April. <laughs> yeah, we all did. Yeah, man. But I think I think a lot of it too, though, is you know, as morbid as it sounded, and it was as difficult as it may have been to hear. Crooked's been saying for a while, like, "Yo, y'all need to save y'all money." Like. He's been saying this for a long time. And yeah. I and listen, man, I listen to the podcast every week. I know what y'all talk. Y'all are the funniest dudes. And sometimes that message goes over people's heads. But, yo, there's a silver lining into what he's saying. And it's like, I'm not blaming DJs for not being responsible with their money. Because, hey, I have 80 pairs of sneakers in my closet. So it's all good. I understand where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. But at the but same you're not time, paying full price. So let's get that out of the way. Let's keep it a beat. That forty percent off is great. Relax. Nevertheless, bro. Um cricket, you know, it's it's been one of them things where, you know, I was always taught that every everything you get, everything you get paid to put thirty percent away mm-hmm. to save just for a rainy day. Yeah. Right. And the rainy day is here. And I've been able to do this for 10 years. Uh, you know, full time for the most part. And so I've been just adhering to that policy as much as I don't want to, you know, that's what you have to do. And if that doesn't allow me to buy something or go out to eat or whatever the case may be, then that's fine. Because at a time like this, um, you know, I'm able to sort of count my blessings and, and say that, hey, man, I relied on myself. And, you know, Crooked, like I said, he's been telling people this for a while now. You know what I'm saying? And, and, uh, you know, you got to listen to when people speak, man. I mean, there's people are giving you the, the knowledge and the uh, the understanding of what's going to happen. Like, listen, so that you're not always in, in such a bad position, you know? That's motherfucking yeah, right, Jerome. Huh. Thank you, but Jerome. Honest, <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> word up, word up. <laughs> but honestly, nobody's seen it, seen it. Get, nobody thought it was going to get this bad as it is right now. No, no, no. Not, not at all. No, not at all. Cricket told us on top of the year, yo, save your money. It's election year. And we were just like, oh, it's going to be election year, whatever. So we didn't think it was going to be this shit. Something always happens in election year with the economy, especially when a Republican is coming into office or is leaving office. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just inevitable. Some shit's going to go down. I, I mean, I, who could have ever... I mean, we're like yeah. in a borderline race war and a pandemic right now. Like, I don't know yeah. what's going to happen. Like, I was going to... And then the, the government the didn't really lives. have an infrastructure in place to take care of independent contractors mm. for unemployment. They mm-hmm. had to, like, really do that on the fly. And I'm impressed they even did that in, like, a two-month sp- two span. But 
Yeah. I think before this, I don't think they ever had to deal with thousands of independent contractors needing financial assistance at once. And that was that was really like a back like a I don't don't here. give them too much credit. They did a fucking <laughs> horrible job. And, no and, and I have the receipts. If you, every, if you look at every other country that's had to deal like Germany actually handled it best. I can pull up the story on NPR. They compared how they took care of their of the working class there mm -hmm. and they already had the safety net in place for this mm -hmm. and nobody, nobody got hurt from this or at least a very, very, very small percentage. Whereas here it's like every man is on their own and you know, there's so many people that are fucked. Yeah. I, I definitely hear you, but like, I don't gas them up, man. These, these politicians <laughs> are fucking coffee. Awful. Yeah. Crooked, we were just talking about it the other day, how I think the like a lot of companies are like hitting record numbers and like profit. Yeah. Right? Because of the assistance. Wild. And then there's yeah. low, low overhead. Mm -hmm. They don't have Where'd to- Where'd that half a trillion office. dollars go, Steve Mnuchin? Yeah. Where'd it go? <laughs> and then the and the government says, no, we're not going to tell you who we gave it to? Right. Come on. There's all kinds of shit going on with- um. Uh, what do you call it? Hospital workers getting uh, sent home, furloughed, and then um, hospitals getting assistance from the government, and then all the executives getting bonuses, and then none of the workers came back to you know to get back to work. It was all types of shit going on. I mean, that's what but a lot of these companies new. were going. Yeah, all a none lot of these corporations new. were doing that, where they were doing uh, monster layoffs. They were just letting everybody go, getting assistance from the government. I mean, at that point, they have like almost. Little to no expenses, definitely no payroll at that point. Right. And, and that's why part of the second part of that deal that they passed yep. is said that if a company was going to take um, money on the assistance tip, uh, they had to promise that they were going to keep their current workforce until like September. Mm -hmm. And they weren't allowed to lay anybody off if they agreed to take money. I, I personally know a dude in LA. I personally know a dude who uh, requested assistance from the government got the check as soon as he got the check he laid everybody off oh wow, wow. yeah Whack. Ah, what a dick well who am i to judge i mean <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty fucked up but yeah. at the same yeah. time you know. yeah i have a question for jerome uh jerome on your episode when we had you on last year you said that uh no matter what dc never seems to take a hit economically wise you have a lot of friends like struggling like the outside of the nightlife business like if they work at, I don't know, a regular nine to five office job, are they struggling or? No, everybody's fine. I mean, like I, I was getting noise complaints when I was DJing at home because people are home during the day working. Like mm. people are <laughs> like people are people are OK. Like obviously our industry, they're hurting. But as you said, outside of this, there's so much government. Like I said, there's D.C. government and there's federal government. Right. Dude, I, I have heard nothing and seen nothing but people uh, continuing to work. Mm -hmm. It's a big yeah. bubble. Yeah. I was thinking about that too, with DC, because you have so many universities there. So you have tons of professors, student, like faculty, government faculty. So I was curious what, what the situation is with like all those people like in university, in that university realm. Uh, some of the people that I know, like that I was playing basketball with or whatever, there were kids that went to like GW and stuff. And, you know, they had already paid their money. And so they were just told in the middle of, middle beginning of March that they were that classes were done and were going online. But I haven't seen anything about like professors losing their tenure or like, you know, people losing their jobs in that respect. I mean, again, nightlife 
nightlife is really the only thing that I've seen take a hit um, because everybody else is just working from home. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like uh, people go out for walks five, six o'clock and if the neighborhood is flooded or people are out during the day taking walks because they got it. I'm on my hour lunch break. You know right. what I'm saying? But there's still I mean, DoorDash and, and all those things are extremely busy. Like they're zipping all around the neighborhood. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like people are people seem to be doing. I mean, I'm I'm assuming I don't know, but. From what I can tell, people seem to be doing just fine. Yeah, all the all the restaurants are open yeah. for carry out and stuff. So everybody's still, still cooking. Um, did you see any massive like closure in retail business, Jerome, over there at, uh, in DC? Like, yeah, all the stores are closed in that respect, right? So no, but, I mean, but like, was- like, like, like closed for indefinitely. Like, oh, we're not a business type of stuff. Nah, nobody. Nobody went out of business because a lot of people are, re- are relying on their online portals mm-hmm. to get them through this. And then just, I mean, I'm pretty, I can't speak for any, but, but I wouldn't be surprised if people are selling stuff on eBay. You know what I mean? Or if they're, if they're just moving stuff through whatever means that they have. Yeah. But you know what I mean? There's still clo- clothes are still coming out. I mean, if some dunks come out, a store is just going to do an online raffle. So they're still going to get, the money one way or another, you know what I'm got saying? It, and like it. everything is just shifted towards the online raffles and some stores, not in DC, but some stores that I seen were doing like um, they were doing like you make a reservation, you can come shop in the store. Got you it. Know what I'm saying like like you like twelve to two, yo, we got a staff mask, the whole nine. You can come to the store. We'll we'll turn on some some future and you can shop <laughs> like it's normal. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, appointment only, basically. Appointment, appointment exactly. Only. Yeah, I saw some stores doing that and. And, um, you know, I mean, people are surviving. I mean, we're, what, three months in right now? So mm-hmm. they're surviving. You know, we'll see, what, we'll see what happens three months from now, though. Got it. And just for a little background, Jerome Baker, you're, you're like a manager at uh, Commonwealth, which is like a streetwear sneaker shop. It's, it's really a, a well-known, respected uh, sneaker shop yeah. in, uh, in D.C. Uh, and I would go there all the time. Yeah, man. I actually wanted to, Trey's, I wanted to talk to you because you've been like, you've been like the DJ police. You've been like on a witch hunt, man. You're like, uh, you're like the untouchables, man. You're like Kevin Costner, the untouchables, Elliot Nesson, all these DJs. Oh, so I'm kind of stuck up here. And He's a lead commander. I can't, I can't be out protesting. So I'm just donating my unemployment money. And let these Twitter fingers fly, man. That's all I can yeah. do. <laughs> yeah, Trey's been getting crazy on Twitter. Yeah, Trey, Trey's been uh, going after pretty much, you know, obviously with with BL, with the Black Lives Matter movement in full throttle right now. There was talks of all of these EDM DJs or even Trump supporting DJs not speaking up on BLM. Yeah. And um, just kind of staying Guys, quiet. I got you know? I got a fucking promo email. Oh, here we go. Two days. Was it two days ago? Three days ago. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was like Friday Mm -hmm. from a white EDM DJ based somewhere in Europe. And the name of the song was Black Church. (laughs) And the release date was fucking Juneteenth. That's crazy. You're going to put out a song (laughs) called Black Church on Juneteenth? And you're a white eat. Come on, man. He's asking for it, bro. <laughs> He's yeah. asking for it. <laughs> that's that's just the latest one that I've been lighting up online. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter in real time. It was. was- and I, I, I'm only I'm only gonna go after the white guys because it's the white people that need to like stand up and start being fucking allies. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of checking. It's not. This is not. This is not. 
black folks problem and their responsibility. This is a white people problem. Right. The white people are the problem. You see, like the way you're going about it on Twitter, you're relentless. You're really going after them. Yeah. Yeah, You know what I'm saying? What do I have to lose? (laughs) I'm just, I'm very impressed and I'm also shocked, but you're really going after them. And then I also got a question though. Uh, the way you're going after them, because you're going at them, you're kind of like, yo, like, what it, what the fuck is this? Ans- I, I need you to answer, like, right now, why do you have a single called Black Church? Do you not know what the fuck you're doing? Do you not know, understand what's going on right now? And you're going at them like that. And, uh, you know, what has been the initial response when you've been going? You've been going after a few DJs now, like uh, three or four. I don't know. Good maybe handful. more. I haven't been keeping. A handful. I don't know. There's a list. <laughs> I don't know the list, man. I mean. You know, I, I just I'm just calling a spade a spade, man. Like this shit is so obvious. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not I'm not di- this stuff. It just falls in my lap. It falls in my lap. It's too easy. I'm not him, actively bro. searching this shit out. Yeah, it's forward. <laughs> it's, it's not hard work. It's easy. It's like that sushi joint at the mall where the sushi just comes by on the conveyor belt. Conveyor <laughs> it's right there. It's right there. Easy, easy. So I got to qu- work for Trey. It's a fucking buffet of racism online. <laughs> okay. And are you seeing it more in the EDM world? Obviously, kind of. I just- mean, there's ignorance and stupidity everywhere. Right. I'm taking on the the targets that I can deal <laughs> with in my own way. <laughs> this is great. I mean. Do you do any, uh, before you go at anybody, do you kind of do the research and see maybe? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay, I'm cool. not going to like come at I just, somebody I'm... sideways b- before like I do my Googles because I tweet like every other day, do your Googles. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I was just thinking sometimes you went illy willy with shit, but I'm glad you do the research. Yeah, no, I don't want to look like an asshole. Well, no. you also, you're DMing them initially, right? You're kind of like, look, you should. What what is this? You should you know you should think about what you're doing over here, or what you're saying over here, right? Yeah, or email, or like I hit them up privately. And then at yeah. what point do they just kind of dismiss you, or they just kind of dismiss you initially? It's like, well, what the fuck are you talking about? Do you get a response at all? And that's when you go to Twitter. Yeah. Do you try to fix it internally before you take it to the streets, or the streets? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, generally, I'll reach out, email or DM, and then be like, hey. This isn't cool. Mm-hmm. Like if we want to use the black church thing as an example. Right. I got the email promo in my promo email just showed up in the inbox and I was like, what is this? And I was just, I was just blown away at how disgustingly tone deaf that could be right now. Did you I, listen to the track? I, I saw his responses on Twitter <laughs> and it took, it took D-Mile. like, Wait, it what did D-Mile say? What did D-Mile did say? You listen to it. Did you listen to the track? <laughs> Absolutely not. He might have, have a message. It might have a message. It might have a message. Well, his Sorry. his response to Trey, his response to Trey's on uh, on Twitter was basically. I, I, like, I no. wish I would have had a fucking racism bingo card. He hit every square. He hit the. But I have a black friend square, and like he he hit all the squares. Wow! I would have been like bingo from the first five replies he sent. He sent you a picture with all his black friends and himself. No. <laughs> no, but but the point is, like, it took ten of us replying to his replies to get him to see that he was wrong about this. 
And after like a half an hour of this, mm-hmm. friends of mine were adding him and adding me and being like, yo, just let, let him put the song out with that name. Let him dig his own grave. Right. So he's going to put it out. No. Yo, yeah. He, he changed the name of the song and the release date because of me. Smart. That's all I wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. Fucking Elliot Ness over here. You see him? Just take him motherfuckers out. All, all I wanted him to do was, was change was change the song name and change the the date. That's it. Yeah, he got on the phone and said, "I know who you are. I know what you. <laughs> it's it's crazy because his his response on Twitter was more focused on you know my team has been working really hard on this. <laughs> You know, my my team. He's got like 340 followers on Twitter, so his team is working on it. Right. My team. <laughs> Do you think I have, I've always wondered this, is shame the best way to kind of like educate white people? No, it's not. And actually, I've been I'll like I'll get angry and I'll say some like not like something out of pocket, but I'll, I'll say some like cancel culture shit online. And I, I have a good friend who always checks me, uh, Adam W. He's a, he's a three style DJ from, from Canada. I think he won three style 20, 2015, maybe I can't remember. Anyway, Mm -hmm. he always says like, no, 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 that's not the way like, right. Cancel culture. You have to like give them a chance to right the wrongs. And, um, he put me he put me back onto a a podcast and maybe you guys can drop the link with this podcast mm-hmm. of a guy named Daryl Davis who's from Maryland actually he grew up in the DC area um and uh black guy he convinced three members of the clan to quit the clan wow oh, shit Damn. all through befriending them and finding common ground right. and convincing them in a respectful, intelligent way mm-hmm. that the shit they're doing is crazy and wrong and racism is bad mm-hmm. instead of like attacking and shaming and some of the tactics that I might use. Right. But check out the Daryl Davis podcast. Um, if you want to learn more, like the second podcast is literally called how to argue. <laughs> and this applies to any arena of life right you want to convince your mom to buy you a car like anything (laughs) yo daryl davis has your answers i check it out i completely agree i feel like the two magic words are always common ground i really really think that's how you educate or you just make them realize people's ignorance is always trying to find a common ground because if, you know, sometimes when you when you attack somebody, they're always going to be on the defense. And then, you know, yeah. he, he talks about all this. And it's interesting that you mentioned ignorance because he breaks down. He really, really breaks down the difference between ignorance and stupidity. And it's mm-hmm. like the way he does it is so great. I, I feel like there's definitely three levels. There's like racism, ignorance and stupidity. You know what yep. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I mean, like, specifically the ignorance and stupidity within racism. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. Got it. I just, yeah. I, I feel like, uh, like, nowadays, everyone throws the racism, they throw racism, that word, around all the time. They're, like, throwing mm-hmm. it all the time. And it's like, you know, when, like, let's say black people are talking shit to Asians, they're like, black people being racist. And I'm like, you know, technically, black people can't be racist. You know, I think they're being prejudiced. You know what I mean? And some of the shit they might Got be it. saying might be ignorant, but it's not racist. You know what I'm saying? 
racist is really dealing with power if you if you really analyze the word and where that word stems from. Yeah. But what we're seeing a lot of is prejudice. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like almost impossible for a quote-unquote minority to be racist. Do you, you feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's it's possible to have that prejudice. And we don't. no one ever says prejudice anymore. And I feel like in the 90s, we said prejudice. Like no one said racism. That was like a... That was like a heavy word in the 90s to, to yeah, throw and, out there. You and know? I think all of that discussion is taking the eyes off the real problem mm-hmm. in this country, yeah. it, which is white supremacy. That's the problem. Yeah. And, which, is in, um, which is embedded in the system of what America, if, everything in America, every industry that we touch. Yeah, it's it's embedded in there. It's it's like... Yeah, and there's and there's people that will deny it and explain it away in every... In every level, mm-hmm. how you do know? you how do you guys feel having kids right now? I I mean, obviously, Trey's. You know, your kids are so young. I don't know if you can have that conversation. You know, Jerome. All obviously, you know, your daughter might be too young to have this conversation. But how do you guys feel with what you're seeing now? How the what's going on in the world? Like, how does it make you feel? Does it does it worry you about your your kids' future? Does it make you actually feel? better about what's going on now it's kind of like you know all all, all the, the the ugly truth is coming out now and and maybe we can do something about it now how are you guys feeling about this like looking into the future i don't i don't think it's i mean i don't my daughter's seven i don't think she's too young i mean she has a she has a a painting that says rest in peace george floyd that i'm staring at right now wow. you know what i mean and, and she's uh-huh. she's very aware of what's going on in the country and we, we we have very very honest conversations i mean i'm not breaking it down to you know like things that that are super super specific per se but mm-hmm. i gave her a very un, a very basic knowledge and a very basic understanding of of why she's seeing things like this happen why people are honking their horns why we're outside clapping you know black lives matter a very basic understanding and she asked questions and that's the thing about it is my daughter has just finished second grade so they're consistently fed information time and every day right and now this is just this is our new education this is what we're learning about right now so you know for me i grew up in arizona as did my brother so like when you're the only black kid in your class every year for like the first 15 years of your schooling <laughs> you start to pick things up you start to kind of understand wrong. things you start to realize like okay you know or like certain girls you can't date because their dad doesn't want you to come to their house and wow. things of that nature yeah. or, or you know what i'm saying like kids kids pick up on things really quickly you know what i mean and that's something that i think that especially now with social media and things of that nature even more so and just a constant news cycle you know and like my daughter i mean we don't have cable we don't really watch tv like that but i'll definitely let her know what's good and 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 so she's aware of what's going on in the world you know and and uh even my my mom is from uh, newark new jersey so like her a big part of her that shaped her identity was like the riots when Martin Luther King Jr. died. Mm. So my mother is very, like, very pro-black and very just like she's a strong woman. And so she imparts that knowledge and that wisdom to my daughter every time they speak, especially now what's going on. She's making sure that are you watching? Are you paying attention? Like, she's not even talking to me. She's talking to my daughter. Like, are you, are you, are you? And I have to follow that up. You know what I mean? So um, I think that kids, and obviously everybody's different, but I think that kids are, aware of what's going on because i've seen him at the protests you know mm. what i mean there was fifty thousand people downtown last weekend and there was a ton of kids of all everything you right. know what i mean and, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it was wonderful to see 
Um, and just to know that, like, hey, these kids are going to be the ones that are really going to continue to help push change. And even though they're seven now, in three years, they'll be 10. And in three years, they'll be 13. Mm-hmm. And by the time they're 13, I mean, they'll have a voice that is going to be louder than a lot of people's currently, you know? I had a like a completely opposite experience from Jerome. Uh, I grew up in D.C. I went to a majority minority high school. I think there were like 263 countries represented at our high school. Oh, shit. Um, It's like 100 languages. It was crazy. I didn't get to see a lot of racism in the D.C. area, even though it it exists. And I see it. I see it more now that I'm older. Mm. Um, But even with all of that, my education was still lacking a lot of black history that's being pushed to the front now. Mm -hmm. Like there's grown ass people that don't, that had never heard of like the move bombings or black wall street and Tulsa, like all this stuff, like people don't know about that because they don't teach it in schools. So I think it's really important that you have to follow up whatever the kids are getting in school with, you have to supplement that with some more of the real shit that you can give them at home. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and history school, is so whitewashed. I would say growing up, we learned more about idolizing a person like Christopher Columbus and more than uh, Malcolm X or Martin Luther King. Mm. They made Thanksgiving look like a like a like a feast, like a like a big party, like a big celebration. Mm-hmm. And then when you grow up in reality, she was a massacre. Right. And it was it was crazy. And it's the same thing. Like, I think we only learned about Martin Luther King leading up to the holiday. And after that, it was it was kind of gone. Obviously, the two year old and the baby, they're they're not getting anything uh but my my older son he's five when we we read stories every night we're trying to include as much diversity as possible mm-hmm. um you know my wife bought them uh shirts the other day we got like a harriet tubman shirt still we're trying to like read books we got books about gandhi and mlk i'm not going to drop the like heavy violent racism information on him yet because he's five but i think starting with diversity is a good place to start and then when they're old enough and it's appropriate you can be like hey mm-hmm. this is what's been going on for 400 years here and on, and just to pick up on what jerome said it's questions you know he's five he's asking a little bit of questions here and there like when we drove through um hanover the other day uh the last saturday that there were big protests all around the country there were protests up here mm-hmm. there were about 100 and 200 people out in hanover in the center square protesting and we drove through and he was like why are they all out here and what are all the signs for and we explained it got it i mean we but, didn't have mlk uh, yeah. day growing up you know what i'm saying like arizona was the last one of the last places to get it remember yeah. public uh public enemy yeah, yeah, public public enemy. Enemy. yeah. yeah. By, the, by the time right. i get to arizona right, right? Yeah, yeah exactly yeah mm-hmm. so you know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, my mom would just be like, you're not going to school that day. You know what I'm saying? And we would have to make the day about, like, MLK and learning and all that stuff until about noon. And then it'd be like, all right, let's just, like, you know, whatever. But we knew about it from such a young age mm-hmm. that it just was kind of one of those things where you were just like, I, we, you just learn how to maneuver as best as possible. Not saying that it always worked in your favor, but you just made sure to, to know kind of how to, how to move around so that you know situations worked out in your favor the best yeah. you know what i'm saying but it was very it was always very telling about parents uh and that's mainly who you got it from because i mean this is like the mid to late 90s and 
you know, like hip hop was getting popular and, and to the point where like white kids were really liking it. And I mean, even in Arizona, the black kids are all we're like super minorities. It's like white kids, uh, Hispanics, black people and then uh, like indigenous Native Americans. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we knew from the jump, like, yo, we're minorities. It's cool. Like it didn't bother us so much, but you just always kind of understood like, all right, this is how we got to operate in order just to be successful. Yeah. And even like, um, you know, like Trey said, like my mom, my mom was an educator. So she always made us made sure we knew about black wall street and we knew, we knew about Philly and we knew about just a lot of just atrocities that happened to people of color across the entire spectrum so that we could be a part of any conversation and be speaking from a place of intelligence and not speaking from just like a looking like a, a victim type situation, you know? Yeah. 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 I was about to say, when I was in school growing up, only people, only black people they talk, talked about in history was Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, mm-hmm. slavery, and um, that's about it. Other than that, they, they didn't talk about black history. Like, a lot of stuff I know now, I didn't learn until, like, within the past 10 years. Like, I never heard about the Black Wall Street. I never heard about um, Juneteenth, June 19th. I didn't even know what that was until, like, maybe less than four years ago. And they don't, we, they don't we got also, a, a lot heavier education on that. The three music teachers I had from grade school to high school were all black and they're all my inspiration. That's the kind of diversity that everyone I'm lucky to have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of diversity growing up. I wish everybody had that. And maybe if everybody had that, there wouldn't be so many racist people. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I think it goes, it still goes back to systemic racism because if you know the impact that African Americans have had on this country, it, it lessens the blow or it lessens, it lessens your angle to have to give them less power in the sense. Like I didn't know until I was an adult that African Americans created the street system or the filament for the light bulb. They invented everything. Yeah, all these inventions. Like if I had known that as a child, that's empowering. And you feel that in, in empowerment and it allows you to feel like you can become something. Right. Yeah. And so the less, the more you keep that hidden, the more control you have. And mm-hmm. that's systemic. And that all goes back to systemic racism, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I also think it's just about, you know, like, unfortunately, I know I can only speak for my situation, me and Kel, but like, our mom just realized that from the from an early onset. Like, yo, oh, yeah. we're in Mesa, Arizona. It's 1988, and there are 400 kids in my school. There's five black kids. Like, <laughs> we're going to have to really do some extra here just to make sure our kids get a fair chance at an education. Math, science, all that stuff, okay, cool, they can get. But when they come through these doors, they need they need a little bit of extra something so that they're just not lost out here. You know what I'm saying? And even though my daughter goes to a really incredibly racially diverse school, uh, I still keep the same mindset. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Because they're not necessarily teaching about Black Wall Street or Juneteenth or all of these things for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're on Twitter now, you can learn a ton of stuff, oh, right? Yeah. But yep. but if you're but in the classrooms, they're not necessarily speaking to it. And so, you know, I don't mind having to go the extra work because I'm gonna make sure my daughter knows what's in these textbooks. Uh, I'm gonna have some extra work for her as well, and then I'm gonna have this sort of cultural work for you that is gonna be able to help you make sure you see yourself in a positive light. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. That's a lot of work, but I think it's important. And uh, as as I'm getting older and I'm seeing all these parents, you guys, you know, even my sister, you know, a lot of them are losing confidence in the school systems and they're doing homeschooling now. And it's just like, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I keep thinking if I had a kid, how would I be handling this? You know, with yeah. my kid entering middle school or whatever, 
you know, how would I approach it? Because I don't think the schools really prepare any of these kids for the real world. Like I, I've been like tutoring my, uh, my niece who's like, you know, about to start high school probably, you know, later this year in September in the fall. And, uh, you know, just the way they construct essays and writing and how they approach things. It's like, it's not, they're not really getting the kids ready for shit. And I just kind of wonder, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I look at it, I look at it two ways. My mom was a teacher. Yeah. And so I understand the struggles that teachers have to go to. And we've all heard the stories about teachers having to buy their own supplies and things of that nature. So right. there's a lot of, there's a lot of support that the teachers don't get, mm. uh, which then trickles down to the, the, to the students getting a lack of resources and supplies as well. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in, in my, in my experience, and I'm about five years in, like I'm, involved and as a parent you have to be involved because if you sit on the sidelines you're going to let other people make decisions for you it's the same as the voting process Mm -hmm. if you watch somebody else do it you can't get mad at the results because you didn't participate the pto they know my name hey that's mr baker he lives around the corner like i am making you know me you see me dog you see me you see me okay so when it's time for these uh decisions to be made and and things that budgets and and, and curriculum and stuff like that, you have to be involved as a parent. Like you can't, like you can't just play the sidelines and hope. Like hope is cool and all, right. but when they see when they see you in the meeting and they hear you voicing your concern, and especially if you've informed yourself on the subject, then you'll see your voice make change uh, that you that that is going to benefit the kids. You know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So do that. Yeah. Be in your kid's life. It's tight. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's like tight. you plant, you got to plant the seed and you got to water it and, you know, yeah, you got to weed it. You got to get the weeds out, <laughs> you know, fertilizer, fertilizer gets, yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to nurture and tend to that plant and let it grow strong. There's so many, uh, there's like so many analogies there with like being involved. Yo, Jerome, I got a question for you. I was listening to Stephen A. Smith earlier. I listen to his podcast almost every day, and he was focusing today talking about, like, what's the end game? Which podcast? Stephen A. Smith from ESPN. And he was talking about heavy, like, what's the end game? And that made me think, like, what would be the end game for this situation to where everyone is happy and everyone can come to a, a, like, common ground? Like, what would you think it would take for us to, like, like, what would be the end game? Would it be to just end police brutality? Would it be equal playing field in the workforce? Uh, Everything. So many things, but everything. I mean, the whole system, like you said, I just had to Google systemic versus systematic just so I was fully aware of the difference between the two. I did that last night, right? Well, break it and down. So, What's the difference? Systematic. I, I, and sy- I'm not going to give you. A, I'm still working on it, bro. Like, you're my <laughs> man. I'm still working on it. I'm still working on it. He's just trying but, to understand uh, it. I, I was trying to get a basic understanding of it, right? But yeah. I think that, you know, obviously we want to we want to see police brutality stop immediately. Right. We want to see the killing of both black men and women uh, stopped immediately. I mean, we're seeing money getting cut from this place. And I think New York just got rid of the stop and frisk or plainclothes officers. New York just abolished that entire department like today. I saw that. You know yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. Right. 19 officers um, resigned in, in Georgia and we've got police, police morale is low, but they're like hanging black people around the country now. That's you know crazy. what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's, wild. Like, it's, it's wild stuff, but then like lesbian rights, lesbian and gay rights are saved by like some, some tr- it's so much going on, yo. That like yeah. I think that everybody has a general understanding. We want to, we want to, we want to just change 
what this it's like the foundation of the country is so rotten to the core mm-hmm. you have to dismantle the entire system like it's just not i don't i think one thing at a time is cool but we got to start chopping down the big the big branches of the tree because it's like you you get one victory and it's just like all right we still got 80 other things to deal with right and yeah. the light and it never seemed like there's light at the tunnel um because yeah well right now we're protesting and things are looking great and there's still people being killed by the police you know dude got shot in his back in atlanta over the weekend yeah mm-hmm. and this is and we're out in the streets like protesting yeah. this all all the eyes are on them and this is supposed to be them on their best behavior yeah exactly and, and it's still wilding out they're so I think I think out. I think it's difficult to find one thing. Um, I think that we all just need common ground is a, is a tremendous idea, and I and I do really think that that is a, it, it's tough to find that because everybody we all have different walks of life. Well, you know what I'm saying. But I think you're going to start to see some of that light at the end of the tunnel and some of that end game when you start to see proportional representation in all areas of life. And mm-hmm. what I mean is we're not even close to being proportionally represented in the United States. Here's an example. 97% of CEOs are white. Mm-hmm. And of that like three to 4% that are persons of color, none of them are women. So when you start, and that's just in the business world among CEOs. So when you start to look at proportional representation and you say, okay, well, X percent of the population in the U S is black. And you look down the road to 2050 when we're, when we're going to be a majority minority country. And by 2050, if we don't start seeing some proportional representation in Congress and in business and in all these other areas of life, you're going to start to see a real big problem. Like if you think it's bad now, it's going to get really bad because there has like you have to have that proportional representation of people being your leaders. You can't have all one color, one race leaders right. with a gigantic minority population underneath you. There mm-hmm. should be an equal amount of everybody at the top. And when you see that happening, that's when you'll start to see more of the light. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. I mean, it's something that's, that's gonna. It's something that's gonna take decades to do. Yeah, and to implement. It took four hundred years to build it up. It's gonna take a hell of a long time to tear it down. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk to you guys about defund the police. Everyone's like, "How could you defund the police?" And I wanted to kind of break it down. And on Twitter and and all of these articles I've been reading more and more, we're kind of seeing you know a little bit of the truth on how like these police departments are operating, right? Um. We're st- by defunding the police, basically these police departments, they need to get audited. You know what I mean? We need to look at the funding and how mm-hmm. they're spending their money. You know, there's there's been a, a whole bunch of leaks on overtime and how they're taking advantage of overtime. I don't know if you guys saw this. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're, you know, cops are making arrests 30 minutes before their shift is over. You know, they're 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 uh, they're making these arrests like 30 minutes before their shift is over just so that they can do paperwork on OT and get that overtime pay while they're doing paperwork. And yet, and you're, you're, you're only highlighting one, one little micro problem, a gigantic, gigantic pile dumpster fire of shit. Yeah. I mean, Derek, Derek Chauvin, right. Who, uh, you know, obviously he's going to jail. He has like a $1 million pension that he's still going to get. 
that, yeah. that that's still going to get to him. And mm-hmm. some of these cops are getting hundreds and thousands of a year in pension, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, yeah, I think, yeah. I think to, if people try to like talk sideways at you or say like defund the police is crazy. My best argument that I usually give is that, um, there's nine out of 10 things that a cop has to deal with that could be better dealt with by a social worker or by somebody other than a cop. And that's not knocking cops. They have way too much on their plate. A B as far as the money goes with the defund part is that these police forces have budgets that are astronomical. Like why does the NYPD annual budget larger than the military budgets of some other countries like that's fucking mental when a lot of that money should be going into services that uplift the community and provide resources mental health food education like we don't need people patrolling the streets and beating on black folks we need money in food schools mental health to uplift the like here perfect example my neighborhood I live in Hanover, PA. You don't see any fucking cops around here. You don't never see cops. We don't need them. We don't need the police around here because there's no problems. And the reason there's no problems is that everyone's basic needs are being met. Everyone has shelter mm-hmm. and a job and healthcare and food and education. And once all those basic needs are met, like the problems just somehow magically disappear and you don't need the cops anymore. And for the people that argue um, like shout out to DJ scene. He's a homie. Mm-hmm. He came at me with this argument online and was like, what about the crazy meth head that comes running down my street and shooting all the kids? And I'm like, okay, obviously you'd have to call somebody to deal with that. But if you look at the bigger picture, if the crazy meth head lady had healthcare, mental health and help, she wouldn't exist. You see what I'm saying? Like that person yeah. would not exist in this world if we had all these social programs with money in them to uplift the community instead of pumping it into the police. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say earlier, uh, Kirk, sometimes the average paperwork takes anywhere between an hour and a half to three hours right. just for simple arrest. So they're really right. kicking up those things. And I wanted to point out something else. Um, they're really bait people into trying to get an arrest like the guy that got killed at the wendy's parking lot a couple days ago um we spoke about it kirk but it was basically they were really really trying to like bait him into doing that breathalyzer just for them to get a dui arrest and get that overtime and get that extra pay Mm -hmm. when they could have just let the dude walk (laughs) two blocks down to his sister's house and could have avoided so many problems granted yes he was sitting in the driver's seat, drunk, and with the keys in his pocket, the car was off. Right. You can still get arrested over that. But they were really, 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 you can see on the video, they were really trying to just get that arrest in. And I got to say, and, for a drunk guy, he was he was a pretty calm, 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 calm. ass, friendly ass drunk birthday. dude. He was a happy drunk. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was talking with them all calm and cool. It was like, it was no problems at all. And he was a cooperative the whole time. We should live in a world where where somebody calls him an Uber home. Right. This, well, yeah. like, none of that had to happen. Well, the cops could have yeah. been like, look, let, let us drop you home. And then, you know, you got to figure out how you're going to get your car in the morning. You know right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anything but fucking killing him. I, yep. I've had friends that got pulled over drunk. Uh, they were not black. 
and they called, they made some, they made the, the person that was drunk call somebody from the house and they gave them 30 minutes to come pick them up. 30 minutes they, is generous. Very generous. <laughs> and, and this, I'm just like, dog, they could have let this dude walk, like, just they fucking down known. the street. I, even I've, I've had instances where I was intoxicated driving and the cop that pulled me over was like, look, I know you've been dry, drinking. He was like, how much have you been drinking? I was like, look, man, I just came from a club. I've had some. Like, I ain't going front. Like, I've been drinking, bro. And he was like, well, you're not driving crazy. He was like, if you can walk that line straight, I'll let you drive home and you're good. And mm. I, sure enough, I walked the line straight. He was like, cool, I trust you. You can go home. Wow. Yeah, this, this, uh, you're very lucky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot Unlike, of like uh, from like 10 different angles, you're very lucky. Yeah. And I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, sh- I should have probably gotten a DUI or maybe gone to jail. Yeah, drunk tank. But the guy was just hella generous. It was here in Las Vegas. He was like, look, if you can walk this line, I believe you. If you say you can make it home, I trust you. And he let me walk the, the yellow dotted line. I did it perfectly and he let me go. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes there's, there's alternatives. Yeah, did you just, ever think about why you got pulled over? I didn't. Did you ever ask him? No, I didn't. I was just, I was super calm. I had one of my buddies in the car with me. I was just, he was a little nervous. I was like, look, man, we've been drinking. Let's just be calm about it and, and figure it out. So I did everything that the officer asked of me. And, you know, I, luckily I was able to get out of there with, without any problems. Yeah, sometimes these officers just want to bait. And, uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's known that I have a criminal justice degree and I have a lot of police officers as teachers and professors. And from their own mouths, they told me, yo, fam, we, you know, we got to bait some of these people to, to make a living. Because That's sad. No, That's really sad. There's no crime. Like, there was this, this professor that told me that he couldn't solve a murder a robbery murder and then he, he knew the guy had did it but he didn't know how to have him confess that he did it so he lied to the to the dude that did it he's like yo why did you leave your fingerprints at the tray on the on the registry on the registered tray of the money and he goes oh man you got me and he didn't have no fingerprints right he lied to the criminal and the criminal just happened to fucking just give it mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just one of those things. Any they do anything necessary by all means necessary just to get the arrest and get the job done. So they got you got to be careful out there. Well, I think like uh, in New York, uh, Governor Cuomo just had a press conference. Uh, he's really feeling himself because like the New York numbers are down for COVID. <laughs> <laughs> but he was also talking about police reform, and it, actually he was saying that he's initiating this thing called the Reform and Reinvention Collaborative, which is like basically um, local leaders to sit down with their local police and come up with their own new design of public safety, how it's going to function specifically in each neighborhood. And he's doing this for every city and county in New York State. And we're also seeing in Minneapolis, you know, they announced their intent to disband uh, the Minneapolis uh, PD and invest in the community-led public safety. So little by little, we're starting to see some of these changes and some of these conversations. And, and Governor Cuomo is saying, look, I'm giving all of you community leaders and all and, and the police departments and the police unions to, to sit down and really go through what is needed in the communities and in these neighborhoods, what needs to change. And he had a date of um, April 2021, which is next year. And he really wants to put this shit into action. Wow. And this is New York. Wow. So the fact that he knows that this is a problem and, you know, he's been he's given that speech where he stood with the protesters. He realized that, that this is a major issue 
and it's been going on for decades and it needs change. And he's actually, be interesting to see a, if he follows through on that and B how much money he gets from the police union every year. Yeah. And that's the real because, issue, right? The police unions. Yeah, right? it, yeah. The unions are bad, man. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if you guys have seen on Twitter the last few years, especially with like the gun rights and gun violence and school shootings and stuff being pushed to the front of the news. And a lot of the stats you're seeing thrown out online for politicians are who's getting money from the NRA and who's got an NRA A rating and F rating, et cetera. Now the new stat is which politicians are getting money from the, from the, the police unions and the union heads and, mm. and, that's like that's the new stat to throw back in the politicians' face to get them to like follow through on these promises, and they, and, and their budget steadily increases every year, right? They're continuously yeah. pushing for a larger and larger budget every year, which is insane. Yeah. And I mean, get, I think uh, that people have to just sort of you know look, look at what's going to work best for their for their uh, for their city and their town and their neighborhood. Because obviously there's differences everywhere. Chicago is different than New York, mm-hmm. different than Austin, it's different right. than L.A., right? So you're going to have to listen to community leaders. And I think you're going to see a lot more problems come to the forefront mm-hmm. as you start dealing with police, right? Because like I said, if you, LA, L.A. might have a bigger gang problem than, you know, like New Orleans or something like that. So we're going to need different resources pointed towards L.A. Right. that are going to be able to solve their issues that aren't necessarily like from a police standpoint, we're going to need more gang intervention and things of that nature. Um, Whereas, you know, we might have a different issue, like I said, in New Orleans or in Memphis or Seattle or something like that, you know? So I think that there's uh, an opportunity for police to be defunded and communities to improve their self-policing and and, and sort of uh, set a new standard for how America kind of polices itself. Because I believe there's a city in uh, New Jersey, Camden, New Jersey? Camden, yeah, Camden. Camden. They they abolished their police, I believe. Last year. Last year. And they now have, they have a much better sort of relationship, the community within itself. Uh, People um, are doing a good job of self-reporting and things of that nature. Oh, wow. Because they they trust themselves, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not it's not a concept that I think is uh, impossible, but people have to really sit down and look in the mirror and take themselves to task and say, you know, these problems have been here. Either we if we didn't create them, we contributed to them. Mm-hmm. So how can we stop contributing to them and turn around for the better for everybody? You know what I'm saying? Because I think that's that's one of the goals that, you know, we have to look at. This is going to better everybody, not just the black people in, in, in Spanish Harlem or you know what I'm saying? The Cuban community in Miami or this one or that one. Like we're right. looking at, at the betterment of everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was going to say that I, I remember I mentioned this in the past episodes. It's going to take a lot to reform uh, the New York, uh, New York, New York police department with having over 36,000 officers in just New York city alone. And Wait, what is that? What is the average number of officers in different cities? Chicago has a little less than 14,000 oh, and wow. that's number two. Mm. LA, LA uh, police department is under 10,000. However, their sheriff department uh, is also roughly under 10,000. So you can double that to 20,000. But New York has 36,000 in just the city of New York. Right. Almost double to triple any other city. Yeah. So reforming all those police officers and some of those officers should have retired a while ago, but just trying to milk the system. Does it still, so that's why the budget keeps going up and up. You're having these new guys come in. However, the old guys are not going out. They're staying. Right. So it builds more of a 
six billion, whatever the the funding is. So, do you do Man, guys? I, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I'm just saying. Uh, I just think trust is is the is the biggest issue, uh, and the lack there of, of trust in communities of color, right? Uh, with the police, right? So, like, there's thirty six thousand cops in in New York City. As you said, does that count Long Island or does that not count Long Island? No, that's just the city of New York, which city is basically okay. the, the I guess the, the five boroughs. boroughs. Wow. Because okay, so, there's still there's still a police uh, uh, state department. So that's the Buffalo area and up. So this is not including upstate New York. No, no. no. Upstate New York has a, a roughly under four thousand. So See, it's just trust, man. There's no trust. Forty thousand officers all of New York. There hasn't been trust in within communities of color in the police um, for for. 50, 60, 70 years now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so it's going to be tough in one year to try to, to try to not, not reform it. I mean, even just to lay ground to lay the conversations to have just a basic framework of saying, okay, this is how we want to start to have the conversation. That's mm-hmm. going to take 10 years. One year is not fair to the process. It's going to take me more than one year to have the amazing body that I want. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of that. That's cool. 36,000. 36, I mean, that's just, come on, that's just, that's just, that's wishful thinking in the worst way possible, because when the results aren't there, then people are going to turn around and point the finger and say, hey, we tried, but it didn't work. I mean, we'll, and it's like, we'll be lucky to see any, any difference in our, in, in our lifetime. You know correct. what I'm saying? Correct. We mm-hmm. might be in the middle of the, the, where like the real tension, I mean, this could all get, I think this is all going to get worse. And I hate to say this because I, I, you know, if there's nothing more scary than seeing a person who had power and it's taken away, does that make any sense? And yeah. then they're, they're made to see like all of these cops who who are probably racist, who got off on having that power and abusing that power. If it's taken away, what what does that person become? You know what I'm saying? And then who do they gravitate to? You're like those people are going to gravitate to each other, and I, I just think these people. Are gonna see? Wow! Look at all these changes. Like fuck, fuck all this shit that's happening right now. We got to do something about this. The world is going crazy, right? Yeah. Because they're getting rid of people like us. When the people like us are the problem, those cops. And I'm thinking something's gonna happen. This, at some point, someone's gonna go ballistic, and they're all gonna group together. And there's yeah, too many. That's. And there's, there's too many guns. There's too many bullets. And you know, guns. That's another issue here in America. You know what I mean? Yeah, the right to bear guns. Arms is, guns are selling out. I mean, bullets are selling out. It's going crazy, even to the point where I'm thinking, like, yo, I was talking to Jamie, like, yo, I never considered getting a gun. Like, I'm so anti guns and shit. But yeah. I was just like, like, I don't. I feel like some shit's gonna go down. You know what I mean? Like, they're fucking hanging people. They're lynching motherfuckers. Like, that's crazy. That's yeah, fucking I mean, nuts. They're trying to send a message, obviously, and and I think that it's it's there's so much information that people are picking up on that the stuff is shared immediately. But there's definitely a sense of just like uneasiness in the air. And yeah. I've always been told it's gotta get it's gonna get worse before it gets better. Right. So what we're seeing yeah. now to me isn't bad. This is the streets and this is people reacting. Mm-hmm. When could it get worse? It could get worse maybe around election time, right? Like, and, and maybe after. We, mm-hmm, we're not sure right. how that's going to play out on right. either side. So, you know, for me, that's 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 what I'm sort of looking at. Like, summer's kind of on pause. It's not really a whole lot going on in right. the summer. But we know, you know, after watching voter suppression in Georgia uh, a, couple, a week ago, mm-hmm. that 
the the jig is in. Like they're the fix is in. They're trying to get it popping. And they said yeah. that they had the most Democrats vote than ever before in nice. the state of Georgia. So people are aware, mm-hmm. right? But now it's like, now what measures are they going to try to enact to try to make it even worse when this much is on the line? You know what I'm saying? And I just think that, you know, in terms of defunding police and X, Y, Z, like, yeah, these people are going to, you know, you start to see these people like these militia groups yeah. and these people who are unofficial, like we're, we're going to police the crowd ourselves and yada, yada, yada. And I mean, you know, like it, it sucks, man, because I had a friend, we're at the march in DC, we're walking, it's my man, and we're walking, and he literally sees a guy he grew up with across a fence in full army fatigue gear, AR-15 on his hip. He's wearing a mask. His man is right there. He said they looked at each other dead in the face, like stared at each other, just kind of froze. They grew up together, like 10 years, 15 years growing up together. Wow. This yeah. guy chose to be a cop. My man is a DJ. And he said they just kind of froze, looked at each other, and then just, and just kept it moving. You know what I'm saying? Wow. And it's just like, yeah. My man, you're my man. I know your family, whatever, whatever. And now I'm the enemy because yeah, I'm yeah. marching for my freedom. Like that, that's crazy. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yo, but that gave me shivers, man. That for real, like that's some crazy shit. Like I, I, I don't. I, I think this is going to get a lot worse. And I pray to God that it doesn't. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic actually. Yeah. Um, because just to just to touch on what you were saying about the maybe some of the more violent or insecure people that are losing their grip on their job as a cop or their privilege as a white person mm-hmm. the the really really horribly racist violent types i think that's really just a small majority us us um sorry a small minority of the population and when it comes to real like boots on the ground you're not seeing nearly the numbers like here's an example there's that video floating around twitter right now of that clan rally that the cops were like overseeing is and there's maybe like a couple hundred people in 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 that crowd tops right but for for all the blm protests and racial justice movements you're seeing hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm so I, I wouldn't put too much stock in the crazy, violent Second Amendment gun-toting boogaloo boys or whatever the fuck they want to call themselves. Like, but Trace, Trace, if if, in, if we talk about common ground, I think yeah. most everybody wants a peaceful world for themselves and their family. Yeah, and I don't think I don't think I'm I don't think that I'm gonna see it get like crazy violent. But if history has told us anything, especially recent history, mm-hmm. all it takes is one crazy white dude and, a, and an automatic weapon to do enough damage to really f- to do enough damage. You know what I'm yeah. saying? It doesn't yeah. take thousands and hundreds of thousands of these guys. It just takes one in every city. You know, you know I'm 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 optimistic that we've come just far enough that there's enough rational, non-racist people in certain positions of power that are going to keep some crazy wave of gun toting racists from annihilating everyone. <laughs> well, fuck, I, 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 hope I just, so. I, mean, I don't see I it feel, happening. I don't I feel, see it. Happening. Listen, I, I, I hope you're right. I hope right? so. But I yeah. feel like I'm just going to be optimistic right, about it. Listen, and that's cool. Optimism is like, it's dope, but I feel like when the leader or the, the, the person that is the president of this country yeah. is not able to articulate anything worthwhile in mm-hmm. trying to, mitigate or like lessen racial tensions or you know any of these things that are kind of plaguing society today 
I think there's fanboys out there, and I think there's people that want to prove their point, and they want to yeah. save, they want to save, you know, quote unquote, we want to save the white race from being the minority. I mean, I know you said it's 2050 and like and all that stuff, but I just think there's enough knuckleheads out there who just, who just like they just don't get it, right? Because the yeah. problems, because unfortunately, <clears throat> the problems don't stop at you know police brutality and and you know, we still got kids in cages. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still got yeah. like. I don't know the last time you guys have been to like an, a Native American reservation, but they're not the best. You know, they're lacking a lot of. Yeah, and they have, have the highest rates of COVID right now, too. Exactly. So they're, they're, they've gotten used to living in a way that is so substandard and so subhuman that, you know, what I'm saying it's disgusting. And so there's so many layers of these problems. And I think that what can happen is, is that if one person continuously gets the blame, they're going to start to they're going to start to push back against that. Mm-hmm. I didn't do it, even even if their grandfather, great grandfather did it. And so I think that we, we're not dealing with people who are and I'm not blaming you for any of this, Trace. Like, you're the man. You're the <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> sorry, Trace. No, 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 no. I totally hear you. And you're absolutely right. But just to touch on your point about like the knucklehead types, that's what I'm saying about the stupidity versus the ignorance. I think right. the majority of them are ignorant. Yeah. And when given the right information and when they're educated and they see what's really been happening and they continue to see the police videos and they continue to see the racism and they're just bombarded with it all the ignorant ones are going to be like wow we've really been fucking up we Mm -hmm. need to acknowledge our privilege and start to work towards a more equitable country but the stupid ones the knucklehead ones the stupid ones are going to be a lot harder to bring around and you can't fix stupid sadly uh, but I I think that of that of the Trump set, like sixty to seventy percent or more are just ignorant, and that last thirty percent are the really stupid racist ones. Got it. But it's the I, it's the it's the ignorance and it's the willful ignorance that's really bad. It's the people like my parents' age that are like, oh, racism doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know. Like, I'm not worried about those people. I'm worried about the motherfuckers who are losing their minds on these streets. The you know, people what I'm saying? that I'm saying are yeah. the very small that I think are the very small. But see, I'm worried about both because the people <laughs> that are parents' age, they vote, right? Yeah. So even if yeah. they're not around, they're still voting, and their vote, their votes can affect change, good or bad, right? So even yeah. if they're not around for what they vote for, it's still going to affect us, my child, children, children etc. So. Being naive and, and, and being ignorant and all those things is fine. But and I know I touched on it and Crooked and I spoke and I was like, man, I really don't feel like educating these people. Right. You know and you saying? don't. It's not your responsibility. And you, you, it's, and, I, you, and you should correct. not have to pick up a I, fucking book or get on Google and look. It's all there. Mm-hmm. The problem. The problem that I see, though, is that is that if you if people haven't been listening to us for 50, 60, 70 years and these things have been happening for the last 50, 60, 70 years, why are they going to start to listen now? What's going to change? What's going to make them feel like all of a sudden, oh, my God. See, because when, when my mother was growing up, it was the hoses with the dogs and all that kind of stuff that right. you see in black and white film. Right. In the 90s, you see a Lego crazy with the riots. Right. Mm-hmm. Reginald Denny catches a brick, all that. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing peaceful protests and Black Lives Matter posted in the middle of the street. And in the same respect, they're still shooting people in the back when they run away. They killed a black woman at a light in Ohio yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so many things that haven't changed. And it's like, what what does it take for people to listen? Because at this point, the peaceful protests, they're working. 
there's funds being cut, et cetera, et cetera. But what else is going to, what else is necessary to create the change? And I'm not saying anybody here has the answers. I'm not putting this on anybody, but I'm just saying as a general rule of thumb, you know what I'm saying? Like what, what all can we do to say, all right, I really need you to hear me out this time, dog. Like this is the time. I I think it's going to change a lot faster than it did maybe in the seventies or the sixties or even the nineties, because media consumption is way, 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 way up. Mm -hmm. And we got the internet now. So you're constantly bombarded with more and more media all the time. And as long as your media consumption is healthy and you're getting your shit from like a proper source, you're going to see it. And even if you're getting it from Fox News, they're still giving you some of the bad. So I think it's I think that the changes are going to happen more rapidly because of the Internet age and the media consumption. Um, But we can't we can't let up the pressure now. Like we can't like this cannot stop. I've saw some stuff this morning on Instagram, like if your timeline looks like it's going back to normal, time to time to shake the table. Right. Like mm-hmm. people cannot get comfortable. We have to make people uncomfortable. Yeah. We have to well, make I, racists I think, afraid again. I think you're seeing that with basketball. They're they're not sure if they want to come back. Mm-hmm. Right. You're gonna that's gonna be even part of our comeback. Is it if you go to a club, are you comfortable with with, with, with racism? Are you you know what I'm saying? Like right. can you go to a club over here and a protest is two blocks away? Right, because that's how DC works. Like 16th Street is where the protests go down. 18th Street is where the party's at. 14th Street is where the, it's 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 literally right there, right? Yeah. So, you know, like it, it it's it's such a nuance. It's such a multi-layered conversation, and it definitely. I think the the, the one thing you can say is you can't let up, right? No. People people are gonna need a break, so to speak. But taking a break doesn't mean letting your foot off the gas from the movement. You know what I'm saying? It can just be showing your support in a different way that may not be you might not be as involved as you were before because hey this is i just saw a stat where like mental health for black people right now is like it's out out the roof mm-hmm. like people's mental health is really suffering as a result of when you turn on your timeline every morning you're almost looking to see did somebody else black die right, right? Uh, or or it's, hmm? it's and it's it's physical health too i asked my so i was ignorant on this and i asked my wife she's a medical professional I was like, why is it that black people's um, uh, uh, are are more predisposed to like having higher incidences of diabetes and hypertension? And and she said uh, what she learned in school was, is that it's from the like hundreds of years of constant stress and anxiety. It raises the cortisol levels in their body and it causes these chronic illnesses. And it's it it's in it's in higher proportions in people of color because they're under higher pressure, constant pressure, higher scrutiny, more stress, more anxiety. It's literally a physiologic reaction. And I was like, holy shit, white people have literally been doing this to black people for 400 years. And it's literally causing their their physiology to change. Like yeah. that's fucking crazy, but people don't know that. They just hear it in the, the, the news that like, if you're African American, you may be at a higher risk for diabetes and da, 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 da. take your whatever the fuck drug. Like, that's a big problem, man. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's it's way beyond the mental. Like the mental's bad now, but the physical's been there apparently. And I just learned this like a year ago. Oh man, it's Shit. it's it's a it's a lot and it's like it, it's funny because you see all these like you know white people losing their minds karen's going crazy 
And it's uh, the Karens. The Karens, but it's just Karen's like, gone wild. That's you like, seen the, the 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 meme of the four Karens of the apocalypse. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's literally just this year, you know, like maybe months of it. And they, they can't even take that. Just the, it's but it's like, you know, in our whole society at the job or going on your way to your job, you know, going home, your kids, you know, everything in life, it's just everywhere. The racism, the systematic racism is everywhere. It's controlling yeah. everything. I mean, I mean, my boys had they used to they used to get stressed out co- going to certain neighborhoods. I can't go there. I can't date this girl. I can't get this job. I can't do this. I can't. There were so many limitations to almost everything they did. You know what I mean? And yeah, just, I live I live where I live now because I knew that if I lived here, I can get a cab home at the end of the night. Like if man. I live if I was like oh if I live in southeast or northeast, cabs won't take you over. It's before yeah. Uber. I've been living here for a minute, right? Right. Oh, but, oh, cabs as in like cabs won't take a black fare to Southeast. Correct. So I the mean, cab, that's cabs sad, will, but it's very practical of you to do. But in the same respect, I'm like, for me, I'm going to live in Northwest. I live in a, a nice neighborhood, whatever. And I say, oh, yeah, like they're, they're not supposed to ask you where you're going, but mm-hmm. they'll ask you where you're going. Right. I'm going to I'm going here. They're like, all right, cool. Let's get in. But I know for sure I've seen it where they'll they won't pick up people who are going to right. the other side of town. Right. Or I've had to have, you know, like women who like, let's say it's a white girl's a bartender. I'll have her get the cab. Then I jump in <laughs> and I tell him I'm just where I'm going. Yo, that, that was, that used to happen too. That used to happen all the time in the earth, like in the nineties and two thousands, I would have to hail the cab from my crew. And then my crew would just jump out and the cab would either like drive off or they would, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because yeah, a lot in, of the cab in, drivers are black. <laughs> yeah. Well, in DC, in, yeah. that, was a, that was a big problem in New York in the nineties, huge, early two thousand, big problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's probably, it's probably still the same. Yeah, oh. yeah, we have shared experiences, guys. Yeah, yeah. we're all in this together. <laughs> it's still, it's still the same now. Even with the Ubers and the Lyfts, they decline rides where they don't want to go all the time. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, wow. They do that. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm not going to front. I make sure my Lyft rating is crazy though, for that exact reason, <laughs> like, bro. I need to get to this gig. And exactly. like, five stars, everybody. Everyone gets five stars. Black man, see me. Get, yeah. I'm just getting to the money. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not trying to. I'm not a threat to your life, bro. Relax. Like, yeah. Oh man, what do you call? It? I think we're gonna we'll wrap it up right now. But um, yo, Jerome, Trace, thank you so much for taking this time to speak with us, man. I really appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you, guys. you guys. Really appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a I've been a fan of the show for a long time, man. Oh, thanks, man. It's been what two years now? Yeah, going on three. Going on three. Yeah. We almost three. We've been wanting you on the show since what, like last year, like earlier. Yeah, we've been trying to we've been trying to work that out. Every time I come to Vegas, it was like a quick weekend and then I'm out. And I think the last one or two times I asked you guys, you guys were like taping on Mondays, and it's Monday right now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It is. <laughs> yeah. I have to think about it. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, I'm here in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Trace. Well, hopefully, you know, I always I, I tell this to Jerome too, man. Like, hopefully, we'll we'll see each other in person very soon. Yeah, and on better better days ahead. Better I'm days ahead. It, yeah, yeah, I like that. I like to end on that. better days Trace. ahead. Let's do it. Um, uh, Jamie, you want to take us out? Yeah, sure. If you want to watch this video alongside all our brand new videos we drop every Friday, please subscribe to YouTube.com slash The Road Podcast. Like, comment, hit the notification bell to be the first to get the video. And 
And a uh, big shout to DJ City. Thanks again, guys. Um, be safe. Oh, thank you, guys. Be safe and uh, take care. Guys. Thank you. Uh-huh. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.